I'm excited to always be back in front of God's people. With what we faced in 2020, um, you don't see too many full buildings like this. So it just thrills my heart to see so many of God's people coming together to love and to sing and to, to hear another message from God's inspired word. I am hopefully not going to keep you too, too long. And I hope that the message that I bring today will be very clear and very straight to the point and very plain about trusting in God. It is the case that we have to make sure that we always keep our faith in God and not in ourselves. We can look at this world we live in today and we can see how this world is falling and how so many people are doing things that are contrary to what God has said, and they wonder why they're not prospering. If we do not submit to the will of God, we cannot be blessed the way that we hope to be. And it is my point tonight that when we look at this, Straight from the book of Proverbs, a short 13 verses that we can see exactly what it means to trust in God. So I invite your attention again to go back to Proverbs, the third chapter, and just begin to get the first verse. And when we read the book of Proverbs, we have to keep in mind exactly what is going on. So often we'll say, you know, the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. There is a lot of knowledge and wisdom we can gain. I know the ladies will say, well, I want to make sure that I am a virtuous woman, as Proverbs 31 talks about. But what I always tell the ladies is there are 30 chapters before that you need to make sure you get also. Don't just stop at 31. Go back and get 21 through, through 30. So to make sure that you have everything caught up. But when we think about how the writer is writing, he's preparing his son. He wants his son to be successful. And he wants to warn him about all the things that can possibly derail him from being what God would have him to be. And so when you look at what he's saying in verse 1, he says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So it is important to realize that when we're trusting in God and we're keeping his commandments, we first off admit that we don't have all the answers and that there is someone who can direct us and give us exactly what we need. I especially like to look at verse number two because he says long length of days is in keeping the commandments and also just trusting in God. Well, how can trusting in God give me a long amount of days? How can it increase my days being on this earth? Well, to make sure that we're not doing the things that God has not said for us to do, it can add multiple days and it's keeping us away from trouble and keeping us from places that we would frequent that we shouldn't go to. I will stand before you and make this statement. There is no one in the Bible who ever said, I didn't trust in God and I'm happy how the results turned out. Said no one, written in any of the books of the Bible that we read. No one will ever make the statement that I didn't do what God said and it was a blessing to my life. Now I can show you many people who didn't do what God said and show you how it ended for them. And again, they will not make that comment. He says in verse number three, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon thy table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And so when we do these things, when we trust in God, when we take the commandments, when we live accordingly, we can have understanding in the sight of God and man in knowing that, hey, I can do what God has said for me to do. And now I want us to dive into our points because I wanted to make sure just to give us a little brief introduction to get us into the fact about trusting. 
Well, I know a lot of times people will say, well, Brother Ford, you should have started with defining your points. What does it mean to trust? How do I even learn to trust someone? Well, I'll say this. Some of you have met me for the first time right now, have not officially met me, but are hearing my voice. Now, if I just said, can I borrow $10,000? See, he's smiling. He's like, man, I ain't got 10 right now to give you, let alone 10,000. You know, if, and if I ask somebody who I know, they may say, well, sure, Brother Ford, that's no problem. Look, $10,000, I'm pretty sure you're good for it. You'll pay it back. That won't be a problem. I want you to think about what does it mean to trust someone. There are people who I will put my life in their hands because I know that they care about me. My wife can easily tell you that she trusts the fact that I will lay my life down for her because she is my wife. So in order to build trust, that means there has to be a foundation. There has to be something known about that person, something known about the track record of the person who you're trusting in. They have to present themselves trustworthy. Now, when we think about God, if we put the evidence up against God and ask the question, can God be trusted? Friends, without a doubt, the answer is yes. We can start from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. One of my favorite verses to look at, and I'll paraphrase part of it, or I should say favorite sets of verses, dealing with God and can you trust God. When you look at Isaiah, the 46th chapter, it starts off and says, Baal boweth down, knee both stupeth. They are both gone into captivity. And verse number three, God makes the comment. He says, it is me who has been with you. I have borne you from the belly. Well, I have carried you from the belly, as it will say. And then he says, I'll be with you from the time I born you from the belly to the time you have your hoary hairs or your gray hairs, or in my case, your bald head. He says, I'll be the one to continue to carry you and be with you because I am who I am. When you drop down to verse number five, he asks a rhetorical question. He says, whom will you liken me to? You can't liken anybody to God because God has done so much and can do so much, his track record speaks for himself. So without a doubt, if you have any doubts in your mind today, I'm here to say, if you can't trust in God, you can't trust nobody. You can't trust the person sitting next to you, the people who you stay with. If you can't trust God, you can't trust anybody. But that's just a short side story. Let's get into our point of learning how to trust in God. First, if we want to learn to trust in God and we trust in God fully and to be able to say, this is truly what I'm going to do, verse number five tells us in Proverbs chapter three, notice these words, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not upon thine own understanding. Boy, we have some folks today who doing a lot of leaning and it's on their own understanding and it's not on what God has said for them to do. As Dunn stated, I'm a, I'm a therapist right now working in private practice and before that, I worked with children in foster care. I did a lot of therapy, a lot of case management with children who are in foster care. And I can't tell you how many children that I have talked to who have come from so many broken homes because parents don't know how to parent. Because parents put their own needs before their children. And because parents have been so selfish, and then they model behavior that is so destructive, and they do not have a form of godliness at all. That's where the problem starts in, starts at. If we want to know what's going on with our world today, we take a look inside the homes and see what's going on. And we'll find out a lot of people are not putting their trust in God. They're leaning upon their own understanding. And that's what's killing the world today. The sad thing is when it creeps into the Lord's church, 
When it creeps into the Lord's church, we have a big problem, friends. It's time, to, it's time to raise every flag and get in there and see what we can do to help change the narrative. But if we're going to first start trusting in God, I have to remove myself out the way and know that I ain't nothing without God. That it is through God that I am able to do all things and that it is through God that I am here today, not of means of my own self. When we look at the fact of what's going on in the world, how people have now gotten to the point where you can wake up and say, you know what, I don't want to be a boy no more. I want to be a girl. That lets me know that people are not leaning, that, that people are leaning on their own understanding and not trusting it with God, what God has said. God said in the beginning, guess what? He made them male and female. If I wake up and say I'm a girl, you better believe I've hit my head and you need to give me some help. Because there is nothing. I do not want to be a woman. I have, I have seen what happens when, when a woman is about to give birth, and I'm cool with that. I am fine. I'm glad that God made me to be a man. I have no doubt in my mind that I'm a man. And if you are having doubts today, if, if you wake up and say, man, maybe I'm, I was born something different. Trust me, friends. God didn't make a mistake. God made you who you are. Whatever you're going through, you need to realize the fact that God doesn't make mistakes. And it's okay if you are struggling with that. You know, let us, let us talk with you. Let us show you. Let the church put its arms around you and show you that, guess what? We love you and we care for, for you and we want you to be made whole. But it is foolishness for us to, to go out there and push the narrative that people are pushing and saying, you can be whatever you want to be. I had to tell a young lady, she said, well, I identify as something. I said, well, I want you to address me as God. I need to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and I need to be God. Those are my pronouns. That's what I want you to call me. And she said, that is just crazy. And I said, that's the pot calling the kettle black, if that's what you're going to say. We have to make sure the first step in trusting God, get out of God's way. How often do you pray when there's trouble? You ever pray sometimes to God when there's trouble and then things happen, and then now you're praying some more, and you're saying, well, God is me again, just checking to see if you need some help. I'm still going through this situation. God don't need you. If you're praying and you give it to God, let God deal with it. We can't be pulling up, hey, God, you sure is just checking one more time. I'm still, still struggling, still aching, God, still got pains. Things have not gotten better, God. Let God work. Trust in God. If you're going to say, I truly believe in who he is and what he can do, let God take care of it. So often we want to put the cart before the horse and we want to tell God what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. But again, I'm reminded the scriptures teach us those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait upon him, not in our own selves. So I have to learn to get out of my own way. The proverb writer states later in Proverbs 14 and 12 and also 16, 25, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end of those ways is death. Whenever we don't do things according to the book, friends, you can't expect it to go right. So if I want to learn how to begin to build trust, lean not upon your own understanding. Always lean upon God. Always trust in God and not what you can do with your own hands. Notice what he says in the next verse. He says, if you want to learn how to trust God, he says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. 
He didn't say in some of your ways. He said, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We have to realize when it comes to Christianity, this is a beautiful thing that we are a part of. To be able to call you my brethren, to be able to have fellowship with you, to be able to lean upon you when there's troubles, when I need something, or when I just am just wanting to be around people who are like-minded. That is a beautiful thing, and it's a path that has been carved out way before you and I got here. We can go back and look at the first century church, how they came together daily in fellowship and in breaking and bread and of house to house. These people were able to encourage one another to spend that time with each other to be what they all needed to be for each other. Friends, we got to get back on that path if we're truly going to be trusting in God, acknowledging him in all of our ways. That means in the way that I spend my money, the way that I spend my time. Oh, you know, that's a big one. You know, we always say we don't have time. We have, everything is always a rush. Well, I can't do this because I don't have time. I'm reminded that we will always make time for the things that are important to us. And if your soul is important, and if fellowship is important with you, I'm going to make sure that it's, it's a priority for me to spend time with my brethren. You know, for those of us who are married, you go back and tell your spouse, I don't have time to spend time with you. You may not have time no more. <laughs> time, may, time may end for you if that's the case that you're going to do. If you say, well, I don't have time to be with you right now, baby. Look, I got work. The Titans are going to get ready to play. I got to go get me a nap. I got to go cut the grass. I got to do all these things. No. You make time for the things that are important. So I need to make sure that when I'm trusting in God, I acknowledge the fact that it is him who will direct the paths. It is him who has laid everything out. Jeremiah said long ago, it is not a man that walketh to direct his own steps, Jeremiah 10, 23. But so often we are marching to a drumbeat that is not God's. It is something of the world, and we again wonder what is going on. I want you to think about this. I want you to, I want you to envision how things have gotten to this point. And you can even go back and look at Israel of old. Anytime Israel did not acknowledge God in all their ways, they found themselves in a position to where they lost so many things. They lost their contact with God. They lost battles. They lost loved ones. They lost multiple things whenever they got off the path. You go back and study the book of Judges. Judges is a great study. You see God's people, they go into oppression, they cry out, they save, and their cycle continued to go on and on and on for all the book of Judges. Because every time somewhere, people forgot to acknowledge God in their ways, in all of their ways. Again, not just some. You can't be a Christian just on Sunday, Sunday night, and Wednesday. You have to continue to be faithful all throughout the week. Until you make it to your reward, you have to continue to be faithful. So there is not anything known as a part-time Christian. This is not a trial-based subscription to see if you like it or not. It's either you're going to be all the way in or you're not going to be in at all. So we have to keep that in mind when it comes to trusting in God. I need to make sure that I acknowledge him in all of my ways. That's in everything I do. That's in my conversation, my lifestyle, and how I present myself. Again, 
There are no double agents in the church, but I do believe that sometimes people have that mindset that I can serve God and I can serve Satan. It doesn't work that way. James tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that's what a person tries, is attempting to have, a double mind when they try to say that I can walk hand-in-hand with God for a minute and then I go hand-in-hand with Satan for a little while and I come back and I keep doing that. That's not acknowledging God in all of our ways or trusting in what God is said to do. Notice the next point that he makes in verse number 7. He says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart evil. Ooh, this is a big one right here. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. I am so thankful that I didn't make this Bible. Because if I did, you know what would happen? It'll be a lot of biases in there. It'll be a lot of things in there that's, that's super beneficial for me that you may not like particularly. You know, one of the unwritten rules of the Scripture is, or I should say it this way before I give you the, before I give you the book of opinions, you know, I, don't, I tell people often, I don't like mayonnaise. I believe you can go to heaven like a mayonnaise, but you will be in the back. I, I, tru, I truly believe, I, I do not like mayonnaise. But we can still have fellowship one. I can tell some of y'all like mayonnaise by your laugh. But you know, I can still love you and you can still go to heaven. But when I, the reason I made this statement is that there are sometimes that members of the Lord's church we can become people who bind where God is not bound and to loose things where God has not loosened. And it is, it is very important to know and to always say what thus saith the Lord and not what you think is right. If, you can only, if your answer to a scriptural question is, I think this may be the way, you need to go back and do some more research. You need to dive back into God's word and see exactly what does it say. Because again, we have so many congregations so many people who are being carried away off of what they think and want to appear to be wise. I've met some of these brothers who are smart, who got PhDs and GEDs and AARPs and all type of things, and they changing the word of God because they feel like this is going to get us more people. This is going to get us closer to God. Friends, that's going to put you on a one-way ticket to being lost. He says, be not wise in thine own eyes. You know, because if, if I'm only believing what I believe, if I refuse to listen to those that are around me, if I refuse to submit to the elders or, or submit to the scripture, or even just to listen when someone tries to teach me something, if I'm so arrogant and puffed up, that lets me know I'm not trusting in God. So I need to take a, a moment to step back and look at myself. Paul says, examine yourself whether you be in the faith, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse number 5. I need to examine myself to make sure that I'm not going too far. Everybody needs a sounding board, needs somebody they can call on when they think they got it all figured out. You know, I got people I call when I think I got some sermons and I think I'm feeling good, and I say, hey, brother, tell me what you think about this. And they say, Key, that sounds stupid. And I say, you know what, I appreciate that. I'm glad I didn't get in the pulpit and say it. You need people like that to, to, to be able to correct you when you go too far. Because sometimes we can think we are just the best thing since sliced bread and we find out that we missed the mark. You want to trust in God? Study this book right here. The Bible tells us, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. You can rightly divide this, and you can know exactly what God has said. Some people say, well, Brother Ford, this is a hard book for me to understand. The more and more you read it, the more and more 
you will find out more about the will of God and things will make sense. But we first have to take the first step of committing ourselves to this book, committing ourselves to the word of God and making sure that it is priority in our life. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't get a, a group of people and just have you a bunch of yes men. Do what God has said to do if you want to truly trust in God. He gives us the benefits also to trusting in him. He says in verse number eight, he says, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Notice, he said, trusting in him and doing what he said, keeping his commandments, it'll be health to your navel. You think about the fact that when a child is inside the mother's belly, guess what? That navel is, from that navel, from that, that umbilical cord, it sends nutrients to that baby. That baby is able to grow, and that baby is able to take in exactly what it needs. If you and I are doing what we need to do daily and studying this book, it's that it, it is taking that in for us to be sustained, to make us stronger, to make our bones stronger, to make our bodies stronger, to be what we need to be. When we don't study daily, we become malnourished. I will tell anybody, you have to read this book daily. You have to make time for this book if you want to grow as a Christian. You know, it's one of the, the little songs that we sing for the little kids class. If you don't read your Bible and pray every day, what will you do? You will shrink, 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 as the kids' songs say. It's true for adults. You know, I was thankful to hear that song, Jesus Loved Me, when I first walked in. You know, you don't, you don't hear that one too often. And especially us old folks, we need to hear that too, that Jesus loves us too. It ain't just for the little children. He loves all of us. You want to continue to grow, you stay hand in hand with the one who is able to give you all things and continue to trust in him. Notice what he says on the next one, and we're going to get two more points, and I'm going to make sure that I have it all wrapped up for you, and I'm going to have it all done for you. He says in verse number 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy press shall burst out with new wine. Now, I want you to think about this. When he says, Honor with your first fruits, how easy is it for us to give God of the good things that we have? You know, I know some stingy Christians, boy, I tell you. Take you out to dinner, won't let you, get a, won't let you large size your fry. Because they so, they so concerned. Some people who are so tight with money and so tight with things that are theirs, they just don't, they won't let it go. Wouldn't do anything. They're going to just hoard it and hold on to it. I'll never forget when, I first, when we first moved this direction, I was working with one of the elders at the Bobby Branch congregation. He had a moving company at the time. And we went to this sister house, and she had, she had a beautiful house out in the country. And you had to drive up the road. You had to drive up the driveway a good little bit. And I thought these were all like rental apartments that she had on the property. It was seven storehouses full of stuff. She had bell bottoms, um, eight-track tapes, things that she thought that was going to come back, and she had all of these things. I'm pretty sure she had a Jerry Curl wig in one of them also. She had all these things that she had kept up, and she just said, well, Brother Ford, one day it's going to be useful. I said, sister, I'm going to tell you right now, disco ain't coming back. So, so Barnes 1, 2, and 3, guess what? You can get rid of those things because guess what? It's not coming back. It, it, it is done with. You can clear those out. But, I, and, but I, I bring this up because this same sister, when there was a need, and she said, well, people need things, she had no problem taking out 
all the clothes, all the things that she had because people had a need. I thought that was so cool, and I said, well, don't store any more things back in here since you got rid of it. Now it's all gone. Now it needs to be empty. How easy is it for us to give of the good things that we have in order for us to bless others? There's nothing wrong with us putting others before ourselves. You can go back and study Genesis, and you can see in Genesis chapter 13, when there was strife between Lot and Abraham's herdsmen, I love the phrase of what Abram said. Abram said, guess what? We be brethren. Let there, there should be no strife between us. He said, if you want the left, I'll take the right. You want the right, I'll take the left. We be brethren. Let's just work this thing out. And he allowed Lot to make the choice first. When it comes to honoring God with what we have, use what you have to honor God. Now, think about that. And I don't want you to leave here and say, Brother Ford said we can't have possessions. No, it's okay to have possessions. Just don't let your possessions possess you. You can have as many things as you like. I want you to be a millionaire. All of a sudden, you become a millionaire. Guess what? We became millionaires because we're in the same family. I want you to be successful. I want you to be good and do good in life. That's what we should want for one another. But it should never be the point that we try to shortchange God with what we have. Now, I say it this way. There are some times where we'll shortchange God with our time. We'll shift responsibilities. We'll do all these things just to say, well, maybe I couldn't do or maybe I could have done better. No, use what you have again. There are sometimes people say, well, if I had this amount of money, this is where I'll be super faithful. I would do this real good. No, you wouldn't. Whatever you're doing with your dollar in your pocket right now is the same thing you'll do if you had a million dollars. If, if with that dollar you still try to find ways to help out and you still do what you can do, guess what? That's what you would do if you had more. So we need to make sure that we trust God and what he has said for us to do and honor him the way that we're supposed to. Give of the good things. Don't just give God the latter and the, the, the leftover. Give God the good stuff. I often tell people, don't wait till, you, wait till you get 70, 80 years old and say, now you want to start serving God. Now you don't let all the years go by. Now that's not a shot at anybody who's 70, 80 years old. I hope and pray the Lord lets me make it to that age. I have to say that, have to clarify that first off. But he says, if you do these things, in verse number 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy press shall burst out with new wine. God will bless your socks off if you just do what he said to do. I love when you read in Malachi chapter 3, when, he, when the question is asked, will a man rob God? He says, yeah, you robbed me in tithes and offering. But when you drop down to verse number 10, God says, try me and see if what I've said is true. He said, if you do as I said, I will bless you. I will open the windows up and pour out a blessing so much on you, you won't know what to do. But I believe sometimes we're scared to try God in what he said to do. He says, be thou faithful unto death. Guess what? And you'll receive the crown of life. So I need to live a faithful life and trust that God is going to keep up his end of the bargain of what he said he's going to do. It's important to always keep that in mind. Now, as we look how he ends it, verses number 11 and 12, notice these words. When it comes to trusting in God, trust that God will not do anything that it's going to be harmful, but that he truly cares for his children. He says in verse number 11, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, 
neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Ooh, he says, trust in him even when he corrects us. You know, so often we don't like the correcting part. We like doing the correcting. We like rebuking. But when it's, when it's, and it's us who have to take the correcting, sometimes we don't take it too nicely. If God has already given us all that we need, he has told us what to do, and we decide to step away from what God has said, when the correction comes, we have to take it. We have to deal with it because it is us who got out of line. It is us who have failed and missed the mark. It is us who have gone too far. So he said, don't despise it. You take that correcting. You don't grow weary of it. You trust that God's correction is for a purpose, and it is for the purpose of saving your life and also making us to be better. Trusting in God is something that we cannot afford to put to the side. We have to always acknowledge him in all our ways. Always know that it is because God the reason that we are able to do what we're able to do. It is because of God and trusting in him and knowing that he will not leave us nor forsake us. His track record has been tried and true. He's been proven over and over and over again and he continues to be a good God. What would hinder you from surrendering yourself to the one who can give you all things? Not just things of this world, but who can give you things that will not perish and will be there forever. It's only God who can do that. None of us can. So I hope this has been very encouraging for you all. And I want you to think about it. Throughout your time, throughout your weeks, am I truly trusting in God? Am I showing that I am really, truly trusting in the one who has said he will be with us? He will not leave us nor forsake us. If you're having trouble, you need to be with God's people. There's never anyone who has gotten themselves together because they say, I'm going to leave and go get myself together and come back. Friends, that's not the way to do it. You need to be around God's people, trusting God's people, trusting God and know that you can be made whole again. But You can't do this thing alone. So many people try to fight God. And fight him and fight him and fight him. And again, they're not victorious. You're only victorious when you submit to what God has said to do. And trust in God and knowing he will not leave us nor forsake us. The sermon is yours. As we extend the invitation, every Sunday I always quote the same verses. Because it's these verses that keep me in alignment with God. It lets me know that I can continue to trust God and that God has prepared a place for me and that he especially cares about all of us. The words of Jesus, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Those sweet words of Jesus. Jesus says, come. You tired of the world beating you down? You tired of trusting in things of this world only to be let down, to be deceived, to be hurt? You come to the school of Christ and you learn of me. I'll teach you. I will give you true rest and true peace. It is only found inside of Christ Jesus. 
not in anything in this world. You may say, oh, I got the best vacation destination. I got this and I have that, but it ain't nothing better than being in Christ Jesus. If there's someone who needs that help today, we're, we're willing and we're here to help you. If you have not obeyed the gospel, one can obey the gospel by hearing the word of God, according to Romans 10, 17. After hearing that word, one must believe those words, according to John 8 and verse 24. After believing, one must repent of all sins, according to Luke 13, 3 and 5, and then confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, according to Matthew 10 and verse 32. Then one must be baptized for the remission of sin, according to Acts 2 and verse 38. It's not a once saved, always saved. You must continue to live a faithful life, even if death was to come, to receive the crown of life, according to Revelation 2 and verse 10. If you are a child of God and you've not been trusting in God, your faith has somehow dwindled and you have started to, to lose faith, don't leave the church the same way that you came today. Don't leave them around God's people the same way. The first step is admitting that you need help, that you need the prayers of the church, that you need to get back right with God. And you have all of us who will put our arms around you and be there for you. If there's any way that we can help with this need today, please do so as we stand and sing the invitational song.